are Locked On Spurs, your daily San Antonio Spurs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Welcome back to Locked On Spurs right here on the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Jeff Garcia, San Antonio Spurs writer. Glad to have you back, and I hope you're doing great. Hey, hey, I get it, man. It's, it's This is the doldrums of the San Antonio Spurs offseason, and um, we're getting to the point where like, we're having to think of topics, but my guest that's coming on later uh, in a bit, I'll introduce him. Uh, on his show, he had a kind of a good, good back and forth with his co-host, and I thought, you know what? That's actually something to talk about. On lockdown Spurs, it, I tweaked his idea a little bit, and I'm hoping he's not going to get on me for pre- pretty much stealing his idea. We're also going to be talking about Becky Hammond, as you know, she's already um, at least reportedly on the eyes of a few teams. We're going to be discussing her future in San Antonio. So, who is the gentleman that I'm taking the idea from? Well, you know him, you love him, Michael Jimenez, San Ant- uh, ESPN San Antonio's very own. He's also co-host of the Sunday Sports Grill. Michael, welcome back to Lockdown Spurs, and yeah. Are you going to be okay if I just took one of your ideas and just kind of tweaked it a bit? Oh, man. It's like comedy and music, baby. Let's just go ahead and steal from each other. <laughs> All right, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Having a good time. You um, you know, I, you know, you're on the Sunday Sports Grill. You can listen to on ESPN San Antonio, everybody. One thing I like is when y'all do the, that, that sizzle sound effect and then like ice cubes clinking yeah. for that uh, segment um, with uh, Grill It and Chill It. Um, yeah. Every time I hear those sound effects... I want to have a barbecue. Like I, I want to have a barbecue. I want to go to a barbecue. I want to stir a couple full of ice of whatever, an adult beverage, whatever. But I'm really just interested in the grilling. I just, I think grilling is just so fun to do. Yeah, it's a great segment. I, I like that segment because you know we don't rehearse it. We just you know toss out three or four topics to see what the other person's thinking. And it's amazing when we look at each other during the show and say, "You actually think that." You know, because we think sometimes that we're going to go the opposite way. Right. Uh, but it's it's a fun part. And, yeah, trying to incorporate some grilling terms. That's why the show is called uh, the Sunday Sports Grill, because we kind of assume that guys and gals are going to be out and about grilling on a Sunday. You can follow Michael on Twitter at 210FantasyGod right now. So what is the idea that I'm taking from it? Well, basically on his show, he and his co-hosts were talking about uh, pairs. You know, who's the one, who's the two. I think y'all did that uh, recently in your last show. You know, you pointed to Kawhi and Paul George, um, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And it got me thinking, you know what? I'm not going to go down that route. And the next time uh, Lockdown Spurs, I'm going to do a different route. But the same concept of the pair of Michael, Alpha and Betas. Every team has an Alpha. Every team has that sidekick. You know, there's a Batman and a Robin. You know, for the Spurs, we don't know yet who are the Alphas. We don't know yet who are the betas. Who's going to be that guy that's going to be that psychic, that Pippin to Jordan idea. So we got the young core, and we, we know who they are, DeJounte and Keldon and Derek and throwing Devin, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We know who the, the, they are. If you, Michael, had to say, you know what, we'll start off with the alpha. Who is going to emerge as the alpha as these young guys get their uh, training wheels cut off and moving forward, Michael? I would hope that it would be Keldon Johnson. I think Keldon Johnson has the game, has the drive, has the demeanor, uh, has the energy 
Uh, he's so emphatic uh, in certain plays. He, you know, he charges the basket. He has alpha written all over him just by his demeanor. But when it comes to his play, you know, he if he takes that leadership role, because right now the leaders on the team, uh, you know, assuming that DeMar DeRozan doesn't come back, will be Derek White and DeJounte Murray. They're the, they're the floor generals. But when it comes to follow me on this next play, I would hope that Keldon Johnson takes that lead. He, I don't know if he's there yet. I don't know if next season, or you maybe the season after that, you know, where you can look at him and be like, you know, you are our alpha. Because there's guys ahead of him on the pecking order. There's Derek White. Could he be the quiet alpha that the Spurs usually had? Tim Duncan was a quiet alpha. Kawhi Leonard for a little while, maybe. I don't know. Popovich disagreed, said that he wasn't really a leader early in his career. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, he was that guy they went to on the court. Then there's DeJounte Murray, the established veteran of the young core. Why don't you see those two guys as maybe emerging as the next alphas? Well, it's possible that you can have an offensive alpha and a defensive alpha. You know, we've seen that with Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell offensively is the alpha in that category. And Gobert is the alpha on the defensive end. Maybe we should look at it that way. Because if we're going to take a look at it that way, I think the alpha on the defensive side would be Derek White because of the way that Derek White handles himself. He, he takes charges. I mean, he risks his body out there, has literally lost teeth in the whole, in the whole career that he's had with the Spurs uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I say Keldon because I think he has that ability to take it up to the next level. Next year may very well be DeJounte Murray, the alpha on the offensive side, but I think long-term I'm looking at Keldon to take that. As far as the other players are concerned, whether it be Lonnie Walker or Jakob Hurdle or Devin Vassell, other players that we consider part of the Spurs' young core, I think they're far away from taking right. that alpha status on the team. I don't think they necessarily have the game for that either. And it's not to take away from their abilities. It's just I think they, they are more role players than they are the stars of this team. You see, I look at this young core, and look, we all know what the uh, knock on them is, is that they're not the guy. They're not the Kawhi Leonard. They're not the uh, Devin Booker. You know, they're not the go-to guy that you would think of in the NBA. You, the, the last game of the NBA. You know, you think who are the alphas of the NBA? You you we just rattled a couple of names right there. You even look at uh, Luka Doncic. You know, he's yeah, he is definitely the alpha for Dallas. You know, you cannot say that right now with this young, young Spurs team, can you? No, you can't. And that's the problem that we have right now. Is that I don't know if talent-wise they have the ability to call themselves that. And I don't think that they've been given long enough of a leash to determine whether or not they have that capability. And that falls at Pop's lap. You know, he has refused to play certain players the minutes that they should, that these young players has relied too heavily on these, on these veterans. I mean, it's a broken record. We've been saying this for the past two or three years about Pop and his rotations. But when you take a look at it, I look at all these different teams that are in the playoffs right now. You know, currently, you know, there have been, there were eight teams as of this morning that were still in the playoffs. And I'm looking at it going, wow, if we're going to use the term alpha, there's not one player on the Spurs team that rivals right. the alphas of those teams. And Thank if you, you were to go backwards to 16 teams out there, there's probably 14 teams that have a better alpha than the Spurs because the Spurs have a decent core, but what we need is we need that 
star player to come on in. And I don't know if there's one that'd be willing to do so. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very tragic to look back and think to ourselves that, man, a Kawhi Leonard with this team would be amazing. The Spurs would be amazing because they'd have all the pieces of the puzzle put together. Uh, unfortunately, Kawhi was 60% of the puzzle. And yeah. right now we're looking at, at free agency. You know, we, we all have to cancel savers, uh, do whatever we need to do because next week we have the uh, NBA draft lottery. Spurs mm-hmm. have an 8% chance of moving up. And so we have an 8% chance of getting that alpha in the draft. I mean, visions right. of Cade Cunningham or Kaminga or Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley. Those are all alphas coming out there. And we have an 8% chance. And if we don't get that 8% to kick in, then we really have to look at the free agency pool. And there's really not a lot out there that speaks to what the Spurs truly need as their number one player. It's sad to say that the number one free agent that's out there that the Spurs could conceivably get might very well be DeMar DeRozan. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, he's never had that label of an alpha, even in Toronto. It was Kyle Lowry. You know, he he was the guy, the ringleader for that team. But I look at this young core, and, you know, we mentioned Murray, and he's obviously, he wants it. You can see it in his post-game chants, pre-game chants, on the court. He's talking to the guys. He might be the closest to that guy for the team right now. But he, even though he had a spike in, in play and in several statistical categories, he was having career averages, can you see him possibly assuming the role until further notice. You know, there's an interim head coach. Would you put the label of interim alpha on DeJounte? With the San Antonio Spurs eliminated from the play-in playoff tournament, it's kind of difficult to obviously talk about the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, but how about the Ultra Player of the Year? Now, the last time we did that, we gave that to DeJounte Murray. This year, we're gonna this time around, we're gonna give it to Keldon Johnson. Now, what he did last season was pretty incredible. You know, just in his sophomore season, he's already seen career highs in certain statistical categories. You, you know, made the uh, rising star team, you know, is setting the bar very high as his career moves forward. He is the Michelob Ultra player of the year. And you're looking back at the season, yeah, I mean, what more can you say about him? There are many standout plays, many standout records that he did. And you just hope we see more of that from Kelton Johnson next season. He is the Michelob Ultra Player of the Year. Yes, I mean, he has to be this upcoming season, provided that DeMar DeRozan doesn't come back. Um, He has a a very unusual skill set. He is Russell Westbrook light. You know, he's that, that point guard who can get you points, rebounds, and assists. And if you put him out there for 36 minutes, he'll get you 17, 18 points, you know, seven or eight rebounds and maybe six or seven assists, which is fantastic. I mean, that I want that player on my team. Uh, whether I want that player to be my alpha is a different story. But right now, he's the closest thing to it because he provides it on both sides of the ball. Offensively, he's, he's gifted. And defensively, he's gifted. I mean, he's made an all-NBA defensive team in the past. You know, this past season with him coming off the injury and, and you know, you, you show he was showing flashes of who he was before the injury that took him out. And right now, I think you're right. He is the interim alpha. 
And even if DeMar DeRozan does come back, I think that we should look at DeJounte as that player. Because mm-hmm. at what point is he going to be considered the veteran? I mean, he's been in the league for like five years, man. Right, I mean, yeah. he is a veteran already. He yeah. should be assuming that role. And uh, I, I'm I'm happy that he's on the team. He's one of the players that I would have a hard time saying that that I would want him to be potential trade bait. But uh, interim alpha, I'm fine with that. But man, my heart is set on seeing if Keldon can take that that leap. And um, mm-hmm. what I what I'm hopeful with Keldon is that he's such an emotional player. Think about the fact that he's been playing so much of his career without a crowd cheering him on. Right. Look how excited he gets when he takes it to the hole, when he gets a dunk, when he does a defensive block or whatever the case may be. He gets so excited. I want to see him get excited in front of 17,000 fans. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, I look at this young team and yeah, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think you you put DeJounte in the young core because yeah, they're moving in that direction and technically he is young, just biology wise. He's a young kid, but you, you look at him and you're like, you know what? He should be the one. And I think he is. And I think he wants it because Look what he's been. He's been trained under Tony Parker. He got a glimpse of what it's like to play with the big three, I think, towards the trail end of their careers. I'm not too sure. Was Tim Duncan still around when DeJounte was a rookie? I believe so, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was around Kawhi Leonard. Maybe that's not a bad example considering how he left San Antonio, but DeJounte's been on the record saying that he has a lot of respect for uh, Kawhi. He's obviously been with Pop, so there you can check that box off. And you know, to a certain degree, he's learning. He's learned from the veterans, your Patty Mills, who he says he's kind of he's the big brother, Rudy Gay, DeMar DeRozan, LMA. You would figure he has all that wealth of knowledge and experience, and, and you know, even was under t- assistant coach Tim Duncan. That do you are you a little disappointed he hasn't emerged as that alpha for this team, or are you still thinking, you know what, that's just not him? Well, first of all, correction here. Uh, okay. Dejounte joined the team the year after Duncan retired, after Duncan. so he did. Okay. He, but but he has been part of you know that training system where he has seen a coach Tim Duncan out there, and obviously he has to be. Yeah, yeah, Tony Parker. Yeah, to yeah. mentor him. So, I, I so you're asking the question: Am I upset that he hasn't taken that leap already? I'm asking the question more like. Are you, are you a little, like, has your expectations not been met? You would think, like, we just rattled off what he has under his belt on and off the court. Do you think maybe expectation is for him to be right now? Yeah, DeJounte, you should be that guy for this team. No, he, he should have had that expectation already because, I mean, he missed the 2018-2019 season, you know, with a, a with an injury. injury. Yeah, yeah. And then he came back, and it was an awkward year because of the bubble. And, you know, so I think he's back on track. I think that if you're going to label him as an alpha or want him to assume this status, I think that when it comes to to expectations, that expectation should be this year. Now, whether it's a long-term solution is a different story, but I think he's now on on track to assume that. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think he's on that track. But then, okay, fine. You are the guy. You are the the one that the team is going to lean on the most moving forward. And, you know, there's a lot of Spurs fans that feel that that should be the mindset after the season. Like, okay, 
let these kids really be on their own. No Demar, no LMA, obviously, no Patty. Now let's see what they got. There's a, I, I agree with that train of thought to a certain degree, but I also think like, okay, well, then Spurs fans sit back, relax. You're going to have another long season. You know, that comes with it. You know, who yeah. knows? You know, maybe they surprise everybody like they did early last season, at least in the first half. But nevertheless, I can't look at this roster as Presley constructed Michael and be like, you know what? Give this guy the ball and he's going to take us to the promised land. Oh, 100% agree. 100% agree. And when I use the phrase Westbrook light to describe DeJounte Murray, I wasn't trying to say that in a bad way because I know a lot of Spurs fans don't like Russell Westbrook. But right. the fact of the matter is that there are very few point guards out there who go out there trying to get rebounds and have the capability of averaging 8 to 10 rebounds a game. But if you look at his trend line, you know, going from averaging three points a game to averaging eight to averaging 11 to 15, that basically says to me that that trend line says that he better be averaging 18 to 19 points a game this upcoming season. He better be increasing his minutes as well. That's that's on pop. But to go yeah. from 25 to 31 minutes, I like to see him out there for 34, 36 minutes. He is healed. Right. We're going to mm -hmm. have a season next year that's going to be normal. It's going to start at the normal times. There's going to be a normal amount of breaks between games. There's going to be an off season. There's going to be a training camp that they didn't have this past season uh, fully. So that being said, this is the year for DeJounte Murray to take that leap. I want to see a 19, eight and eight type of player, because if we get that, then, then we have something there that is a long term solution at that at that point guard position. Um, it, it, it's very hard to, to say all this because we don't know what kind of rotations we're going to have. We don't right. know who's going to be coming in as far as a lottery pick or who's going to be coming in for uh, via free agency because, you know, the Spurs uh, somehow get John Collins. Well, that throws everything oh, yeah. out yeah, the window, exactly. right? Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of hard to say, but as of right now, as of right now, the expectation should be that DeJounte is that alpha. And this is going to be the first season where he goes on to the basketball court for the Spurs, where we're looking at him as our savior, as our leader, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, and he's talented. He, he, he seems to be about the Spurs. He says the right things. He, he, he's a fan favorite. God, man, take that leap, DeJounte. Take it, baby. It's yours. We want to love you even more. We love you already, but we want we, we want to embrace you even more. And and I'm I'm excited about this upcoming season. There's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to be worried about as well. But uh, again, we need an alpha. And and if we don't get one in free agency, we don't get one in the draft. Dejounte, you know that that's 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 yep. yours to take. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. So before the next pitch, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get yourself a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts use promo code LOCKEDON. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto parts and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. 
You need engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. They have it there at rockauto.com. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the catalog is easy to use, easy to navigate. You can see all the parts available for your car. You can pick the brand, specification, and the prices you prefer. And the rockauto.com prices are always reliably low. The same for you and professionals. Don't go spending up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. An amazing selection, rely below prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Absolutely. We're talking with Michael Jimenez. He is the co-host of the Sunday Sports Grill on ESPN San Antonio Sundays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Go check it out. Follow him on Twitter at 210FantasyGod. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, it's DeJounte's to take. And it's also his to lose if he doesn't step it up. Because look at how they built up their team during the glory days. It was a number one draft pick, David Robinson, paired with a number one draft pick, Tim Duncan. And then when Robinson set sail, they paired him off with, Couple, a pair of soon to be Hall of Famers, Tony Parker and Mono Ginobili. So, yeah, you're gonna have to build the draft, and and that's how the Spurs got to the glory days, and that's how they're hopefully gonna do it again. But you know that it took them getting the number one draft spot. That meant a little the the, the T word, maybe maybe there was a T word tanking that one year <laughs> when they got Tim Duncan. Maybe that yeah. happened. Oh, and it did happen. I'll, a lot of luck, too, to see Tony Parker and Manu still on the board. Uh, let's go and talk about the beta now. Who do you think among this Spurs roster could be the beta to DeJounte Murray? This is where establishing him as, as the interim you know, alpha moving forward. But who could be the beta to him? Okay, if, if it's not going to be Keldon as the alpha, then he has to be the beta. He okay. has to be. And, and that's no slight against Lonnie Walker or Derek White or Devin Vassell. Okay, Uh, the reason why I say that is, is that we know what we're going to get with Derek White. And I like what we get from Derek White as as number of points, number of assists. You know, he's really good handling the ball, doesn't doesn't make a lot of turnovers, makes smart decisions, plays good defense. And I like that spot right there that he that I like what he produces for the Spurs. But we need to have somebody who produces more than just that offensively. And when you look at that, that's either going to be Lonnie Walker or Keldon Johnson. I think Keldon Johnson has that ability. I mean, there's very few players out there capable of doing a 2020 game, but he was able to do that this past season. Now, mind you, that was one game, Mm -hmm. but it shows you what he is capable of. And I'm not saying that he's going to be, maybe he doesn't model his game after uh, traditional players at his position, but I mean, maybe... He models his game after a Charles Barkley, mm-hmm. you know, someone who's of that size who plays a lot taller, you know, six five, six six, but plays like he's six nine, six ten. And um, I think that that is Keldon's position to take, and I'd be very disappointed if he doesn't, at the very least, become the second dog on this team. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think uh, as of right now, Keldon has the ability to be that beta to it to the alpha. Obviously, you know you hope, and I know you're you're on the record right now saying you want him to be that alpha down the road. But I think he can emerge as that beta, even as soon as next season. Am I pushing it too much with him? You think maybe next season we can see that pairing, or at least him being that second go-to guy? Uh no. I mean, no. Okay. 
Not at all. I mean, we, we look at Keldon Johnson and we, we look at him from the lens sometime of, well, you know, he was the 29th pick in the draft. Yeah. But let's backtrack. Okay. Every mock draft had him going basically in the top 20, except for like maybe one or two that had him at 22. He was projected to be in the teens. Um, so he's a better player on a draft position than what most people would have given given him credit for. Uh, but I take a look at it. You know, he was highly recruited coming out of high school. He went to a very good university. He, you know, he didn't play as well there. It was a system situation that he had, but he has the pedigree. And when you have that pedigree, when you have that background, it's building on top of that player, on top of those skill sets, those talents that he brought before he came to San Antonio. He has that capability. There, like I said, very few players are capable of doing a 20-20 game, especially at his height. Right. So that so that being said, I mean, we we need him to take that 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 leap. We need him to do so. And now he's going to have that full off season. Mm-hmm. There's going to be regular practices. There's going to be actual training, not on the job type of training or on the court training. It's going to be a different year for the Spurs, and hopefully that translates into something. That translates into better accuracy from behind the the three point line for some of these players, or maybe it it, it helps out when it comes to defensive schemes or strategies out there. But you know, when we're taking a look at it, it, it has to be either Dejounte Keldon as one two or Keldon mm-hmm. Dejounte because if it's anybody else other than that, then I think we're having a problem. So then how does Derek White fit in all this? You know, we Derek, know he can do it. We we seen him explode in the playoffs. The last time the Spurs were in it, that was his coming out party. Now, last season he was injury riddled. So maybe we didn't get a full appreciation of what he can do as his growth continued, which was stymied because of the injuries. Right. I just think that he I, I would not be surprised if he emerged as the the A or it was the B to uh, Murray. Or you, you see where I'm going? It just that's where I struggle with. And how does Derek fit in this? Because he's a great utility player. He's a really good two-way player. No, he is. And uh, I guess I'll explain it this way. There are a few rock bands out there where the best player on the rock band is the drummer. And, you know, you have the lead singer, you have the lead guitarist, but then you have the drummer and the bassist. Very important, you know, parts of a band. But I look at, at Derek White as he's the drummer. He keeps us in beat, offensively and defensively, keep us in beat, make sure that that certain players are not overheating in, in the sense that, that they're playing within themselves. I think Derek White is that metronome. Just keep the beat, keep the beat, and basically be the whisperer to some of these right. players. Uh, be, be that Because I mean, we look at Derek White and we think to ourselves, oh, well, he's a member of the young core, but... The fact of the matter is, it's one of the older members of that young core because mm-hmm. he played several years in college. Yeah, I think people, yeah, yeah, people forget that he he came in as a non-traditional rookie for today's NBA standards. Usually, one or two done in college. He played four right. years in college. Yeah, exactly. So, so because of that and the experience that he has, uh, I picture him as a better version version of like a Derek Fisher type of player. You know, better than Derek Fisher, but I, I, I go back to how on the court back in the day with the Lakers, Derek Fisher would basically talk to certain players and pump them up or mm-hmm. calm them down and be the general on the floor handling the ball, making sure that people are in the right spaces and setting the example. 
basically, isn't that I look an alpha? at. Isn't that an alpha? No, isn't really. that what an alpha should do? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, some alphas have the ability to do that. You know, Michael Jordan could obviously do that. You know, but there are some players who need to focus on their task at hand, but don't have the ability to see what everyone else is doing and, and, and correct what is going on on the court. I think Derek White is so cerebral that he knows what he needs to do and everyone else needs to be doing on an, any particular play. And I see him more as a player coach than an alpha or a beta. I want to see Derek mm -hmm. White get us 15, 5, and 5, right? I want right. him to, to, to take two or three charges. I want him to average a steal, steal and a half per game. Okay. I don't want him to be the one that we are relying on for 24 points. I don't want right. to see him be the one that we rely on for 10 assists. I think that he can be kind of that whisperer type of player where he looks at DeJounte Murray and says, dude, this is what we need from you. Very much like an Avery Johnson. I mean, Avery Johnson used to do that to David Robinson so much. He used to yell at him, we need rebounds, we need blocks, we need this. And and obviously, David Robinson was a better player than Avery Johnson, but Avery Johnson had the ability to go in there and be the whisperer, much like Derek Fisher was that for Kobe. Uh, yeah. There, yeah. You go back in time, there's, there's these certain players out there who are player coaches out there, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be the best player on the court to have that title. They just need to be the one that has the attention of everybody else on the court and not only have their attention, but have their respect. Yeah, you know, and, and you, everything you say right now is why I struggle with White is because I know he's capable of doing that, but I also know what he's capable of doing on the court, exploding for 20 or more points, knocking down threes, leading the team as the point guard, and obviously doing the directional uh, play. You know, okay, Pop's calling this play. Okay, we're going to run in, and this is how you, we're going to do it, guys, and get on, guys. That's where I struggle with him because if if you were to come on this show right now, you had said, Jeff, I, I think Derek White's the alpha. I've been, I, I would have been okay with that. I said, okay, I get that because of the exact reason you just described, Michael. See, that's where I struggle with White. Like, you, you know, he's good. He's a good player, good young player. If he stays healthy, we know what he can do, Michael. Do you understand my struggle? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think the, the interesting part about Derek White is, you know, we talk about certain players as what is their ceiling? I mean, think about how we've talked about in this, in this episode here. We've talked about DeJounte Murray's ceiling. We've yeah. talked about Keldon Johnson's ceiling. But when it comes to Derek White, we talk about his floor. Why do we talk about the floor? It's because his floor is so high. You know, he might not have a high ceiling, but he has a super high floor, which means he is dependable, and we can count on him to do certain things. And we know certain things about Derek White. He's not going to do boneheaded plays. He is not going to play outside of himself. He's not going to take – he's not going to have a game where he's just chunking up shots that, that he shouldn't be doing. He is a smart player out there who plays within himself. He does not have the pedigree that a Keldon Johnson has. That's why Keldon Johnson has the higher ceiling. Mm -hmm. But we've also seen that Keldon Johnson can sometimes not perform from time to time. You know, and a lot of it's because he's, he's young in the NBA. And we get mm -hmm. that. He's getting better. He's improving. But Derek White, it just seems like from the get-go, has been so smart out there and has been able to, to not try to overcompensate for things that he can't necessarily do. He's a really 
good player. Probably the probably the, the the best spur in the past that would be a comparison is kind of like a Kyle Anderson. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyle Anderson is is a solid player, played within himself. I mean, Derek White's a lot more athletic than Kyle Anderson, is faster than him, and and plays different positions. Sure. But he ha- has that type of mindset. You know that that he's not going to beat himself. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to see this young core because. Barring any, you know, free agent signing or massive trade that brings in a top quality, an alpha to San Antonio, then, you know, fine. This is the team we're going to roll with and groom to be the next chapter in Spurs history. One of these guys is going to have to step up and somebody's also going to step up alongside them to be that pairing. I mean, unless they sw- unless they get lucky in this upcoming draft, the lottery, Michael, you know, they leapfrog and get to the top five, then that changes. That's a game changer. But barring that, this is the team they're going to roll with. Now, they got a bunch of money, the Spurs, that is, to go spend. But they have to take that route, overpay to bring in an alpha. It's going to be interesting to see what the Spurs uh, are going to do moving forward as far as uh, shaping the roster to be competitive in the East, let alone the NBA. We're talking with Michael Jimenez. Follow him on Twitter at 210FantasyGod. He is the co-host of the Sunday Sports Grill and apparently does not think that Derek White is the Phil Collins of Genesis. That's a shame. <laughs> That's a shame, Michael. Yeah, it's one of the few bands where the drummer was the uh, the, the alpha, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Phil Collins was. Yeah, we're just showing our age, everybody, yes. But, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Alamo himself, the guy who has a lot of – he has, like, a lot of, what, artifacts? Artifacts, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he, was, uh, he was Genesis. Let's put it that way. So, until Peter Gabriel took over, right? I think then Peter Gabriel – yeah, right, right. Yeah. God world. Let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> um, it's gonna wrap this up. And you know, we, we talked about this in the last episode of Lockdown Spur with not with you, but with my previous guest, Michael, about Becky Hammond and and, and her um, possible landing spots. But we had recorded that show, Michael, before the news broke over the weekend about the magic and the blazers being interested in her. Now you, you talked about this on your show, Sunday Sports Girl. You even tweeted it out, and you got a good react from Spurs fans. So if she were to take one of the two jobs, A, you think Spurs fans would, you know, kind of throw a little shade the Spurs way, saying another one goes, huh, Spurs? And do you also think that Spurs fans would be applauding Becky if she does take one of the gigs? Yeah, both will happen. Both would absolutely happen. We would be proud of her, happy for her. You know, it, it, it's kind of like seeing our child go off to college and go off and become a professional. Uh, we would be happy for them, but underneath our breath and probably on our keyboards on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot, be very, very furious at the Spurs for letting her go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been an interesting and, and disappointing aspect when it comes to thinking about how she could have been uh, a head coach in waiting for the Spurs. But mm-hmm. someone's going to snap her up, you know, yeah. Some team will, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's disappointing because she could have made history in San Antonio as the first female coach in the NBA in professional sports and uh, in, in men's professional sports uh, in the major ones anyway. And she's good enough for it. She's smart enough for it. She has paid her dues. She has gone from the bottom and risen up to the top of the assistant coaching ranks. And I hate the fact that we were force-fed this lie that she couldn't coach in, in Pop's absence because she didn't scout the team that they were playing. 
I have never, as a Spurs fan, felt more insulted by an outright lie from the Spurs organization. That was lying. And because... and now begins Michael Jimenez's soapbox. Go ahead, Michael. Take it away. Oh, well, you know, I, I picture it this way. It's not like the Spurs are, are, are a college team where they're playing a mid-major and they're going, oh, man, I wonder who is on this Belmont University team. You know, we need to really scout them. No, man. All these NBA teams are made up of NBA players who pre who played previously in the NBA or, you know, prior seasons. And if they are rookies, were scouted by the scouts prior to them being drafted. We were absolutely lied to when it came to whether or not Becky should be the coach of the Spurs in Pop's absence. Absolutely lied to. Because it's not like the Spurs will say, hey, they're playing the Phoenix Suns or the Denver Nuggets or or the Brooklyn Nets and them not know exactly who those players are, what their skill sets are. We play these teams multiple times each year. Okay, so I'm sorry, but we got lied to when it came to that. And maybe, just maybe, it's possible that the Spurs don't want Becky as the heir apparent to, to Pop. And it's not like Pop is going to tell people when he's going to retire. It's going to be a situation very much like when Tim Duncan retired. He Tim Duncan retired by sending a fax saying, I'm done, right? He didn't have a farewell tour, and I'm sure Pop's not going to want a farewell tour either. But I would like, as a Spurs fan, to know when Pop is actually going to retire. Right. Because we've had back-to-back -back seasons of the Spurs not making the playoffs, and I would hate for Pop to be the Spurs coach for three more years and the end of his epic career being, oh, by the way, he has five titles, but also missed the playoffs the last five seasons of his career. He is not yeah. he, he is not the guy for a rebuild, right? But when it comes to, to Becky Hammond, she is the person for a rebuild. She's younger, has more energy. She may not have the experience or the knowledge that Pop does. I get that. But she has the energies, willing to try other things, willing to play other types of rotations, less reliant on certain players because she was a player herself. She was an all-star herself in the WNBA. She understands it. She also understands the international game. And can you imagine? Can you imagine if Becky goes off to Portland or to Orlando or Boston or Indiana, all these places that have positions yeah. open? Can you imagine if she goes over there and succeeds? Well, you How I, mean, well, I would hope she succeeds just well, for the I, I would hope yeah. so. But a historical thing, because it's one thing for Bonnie Williams to succeed. It's one thing for Coach Bud to succeed. But it's a different thing when it's the first female head coach in NBA history to succeed, because yeah. that could have happened here in San Antonio, and she deserves an opportunity for this. My gosh, I cannot wait for Pop's tenure to be over. Yes, he is the goat. Yes, he's gonna he he is brilliant, but this is not his type of position to be in because he never was in this position. His yeah. first day on the job as head coach, he had a guy from the Virgin Islands named Tim Duncan at his side. Yeah. He never rebuilt. So sorry for being on the soapbox. You got me on All the right. therapy couch. Second time on Lockdown <laughs> Spurs where you've pissed me off, where I pissed myself <laughs> off. But uh, I, I no, wish no, everything you... but the best for Becky, man. I, I yeah. want her as a Spurs head coach.
Yeah, you you look at the uh, now. Obviously, it's different situations, different times. So we're not. It's not a true comparison. It's just an idea, just food for thought. So during the Michael's uh, show um, this past Sunday, they were talking about you know the same time you know Becky Hammond and uh, I texted you, Michael, and I said you know what here's something about here's something from Messina, and I wrote wrote this up. It was interesting because first of all, Messina had no ill will towards San Antonio. Let me get it out of the way. But it's just interesting to hear what he had to say as to why he left San Antonio. It was simply he said, he goes, I wanted my own team. I wanted my own team. That was pretty much the, the, the common thread there. I wanted to have my own, be a head coach for my own team. We've seen that happen with Coach Bud. We've seen that happen, you know, with several other guys, Ime Udoka, you know, to move up the chain. Why? Because Pop is still there. So... Is just an idea like, will Becky have the same train of thought? Very similar to Messina's. Now, obviously, Messina's older. You know, he has, he's been there, done that overseas and in the NBA. I get that. But what if Becky's like, you know what? I don't know if this guy's going to leave. I don't know when he's going to retire. He doesn't tell anybody. Obviously, they'll tell her first. They'll probably tell her, don't interview with anybody. That'll be her first signal to know what's up. If you mm-hmm. see that she's no longer being interviewed, that's to be a big red flag that, you know, she's the, she's the heir apparent. But if you don't see that, that could possibly push her out and be like, you know what? I wouldn't mind coaching Dame Dollar and and Nurkic and CJ and you know, look at the, they got a good squad up there. Um, but nevertheless, it just just food for thought. I hear what Messina had to say as to why he left. Could that same train of thought be leaking into Becky's? Now, I, I I think first of all, I mean, how bad of a look on San Antonio would it be if they pass on her, Michael? How bad of a look? Imagine if they go outside the family or, or yeah. hey, Will, Will Hardy, would you like to be the next head coach? I mean, my goodness, the firestorm the franchise would take, Michael. I think that it's, it's interesting to take a look at this whole situation from a point of view of how long of a leash does Pop have with the, with the front office, with the ownership, with the GM, and the reason why I say that is, is because, you know, he brought five titles. He he was part of that, right? We do not win five titles without Greg Popovich. That has to be respected. I get that. But at the same time, Greg Popovich is 72 years old. Yeah. And we need to know kind of, you know, hey, man, what is the game plan? I mean, part of what I do for a living is retirement planning. Uh, 72-year-olds are retired. I mean, he's old enough to be required to take money out of his IRA for crying out loud. You have to be 70 and a half for that to happen. And he <laughs> is a year and a half beyond that. So uh, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated by that because the Spurs cannot tie their future to somebody who's 72 years old. I mean, what, what game plan does he have? I mean, there was a TV show or a movie uh, that, that, that uh, it, was, it, was an, it was an Adam Sandler movie. That basically, you know, his ex-girlfriend or ex-wife said that he's that she's with an older man because he has a, a five-year plan. And he looks at him and goes, what is that plan? Not to die? <laughs> but the thing is, is that when it comes to Popovich, we need to figure that out. Uh, Quinn Hudson on, my sh- on, on our show, the Sunday Sports Grill, was basically talking about Tom Landry. You know, how Tom Landry was eventually shown the boot by the Cowboys, right? And how tragic that was because how old Tom Landry was when that all happened and it was very disrespectful and he was old and stuff like that. Greg Popovich is eight years older than Tom Landry was when he was shown the door. 
Yeah. Tom Landry was yeah. 64 years old. Right? Here's so, a here's a and here's a little also a little food for thought too. Most NBA coaches are done by 70. I think the last coach, you correct me wrong, to go beyond 70 was uh Jerry Sloan. Yeah. And even then, I mean, look look at that period of time when Sloan was over 70. The Utah media, the NBA media was like, Sloan, you might want to call it a day. So it's Pop's turn, um, Michael. Yeah, I mean, other coaches like uh, Bill Fitch, I believe, was yeah. was really old when he was out there. Uh, Lenny Wilkins was another uh, coach that seemed to coach forever. Uh, Don Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not unheard of, but my question is, is which of these teams were actually doing, or these coaches were actually doing a rebuild the last few mm-hmm. years of their of their of their tenure, right? You know, um, Phil Jackson left on top. Pat Riley, for the most part, left on top. And I don't want the legacy of Greg Popovich to be tarnished by four, five, six years of mediocrity. And the Spurs way was the Spurs way because we had David Robinson, we had Tim mm-hmm. Duncan, we had Tim Tony and Monty, right? We had all of these players. Culture is made that way. Culture is sometimes top down, but it's also sometimes bottom up. And right now the Spurs young core, they have a, a they have a, a good culture within themselves. They seem to like each other. They seem to want to succeed together, right? They're all, they're in it together. Uh, but at the same time, it's different because the type of, of leadership that they need might not be what Pop offers. It mm-hmm. might be too old school. It might be just something that is past his time. And we take a look at these young coaches. I mean, look how well Steve Nash is doing with Brooklyn. You know, these younger coaches that are coming in speak to them in a generational way that is younger and it, it, it's one thing when Pop joined this team as the head coach, and he was he was in the organization before that. But mm-hmm. think about this. This was 25 years ago. 25 years ago, Pop was 47 years old. Mm-hmm. The players were in their was 25, 35. He was like the age of their uncle. <laughs> and now he's like the age of their grandfather. And I know he has that wealth of knowledge, and he can bring that knowledge to the and be part of the team as a member of the front office. You know, uh, th- there's different things that he could do. Look what Pat Riley has done. I want to see him be Pat Riley. I don't want him to be on the court. I can't even remember the last time Pat Riley was on the floor. Yeah. Right? When was he coaching? It's been like remember. 15 years, yeah. right? It's been a while, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Spolstra yeah. was the one who led the who led the Heat to those titles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, man, let, let's let's have Pop be that emeritus status. You know, have him go out there and and have player personnel type of responsibilities, drafting, scouting, uh, you know, coaching a different way. But I want the X's and O's and the lineups to be done by Becky Hammond or yeah. someone young like her. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see what the Spurs are going to do in that department, the head coaching spot. I, I, I've been on the lockdown Spurs and saying, like, I'm like 70-30 that he will not come back. There's just something very odd about this past season. Um, just let me with a very, like, huh, if he's going to do it, it would have been this year. Now, obviously, I'm not going to do it right now because the Team USA is the last thing they need with the distraction. Pop calling it a day. But I would not be surprised if soon thereafter Pop were to say, you know what, this is going to be it for me. It's going to be my last run. 
or 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 I am now officially done. And here's Becky. You know, you got it, Becky, or whoever they're gonna pick next. But yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's just you know with the times are changing in San Antonio, Michael. From on the court, off the court with Popovich, you know, you're seeing several changes already. You know, a new GM is in town, Brian Wright. They're hiring a bunch of promotional content developers for the for the for the team. So yeah, times are changing. So yeah, there might be some. The, but still yeah, playing the right. same crappy music inside the uh, AT and T Center, man, for yeah. in games. <laughs> if I hear the hustle I, one more time, yeah. <laughs> and oh by the way. How they get get away with some of the music they play that's not uh, edited or censored? There's, I mean, exactly. I, I, yeah, you notice that too. Yeah, I'm like, did they just play that song that says something about men and women should be doing bleep? I'm like, yeah, they did play it. <laughs> but uh, we're done talking. We want to hear from you. What do you think about the alpha and the beta? Who do you have as the potential or current? Maybe you you disagree with us. Uh, alpha that can lead this team to the uh, promised land. Who is the beta? Who is that Robin to the Batman? You can let us know. ASAP will tell you just how to do that in just a few seconds, as well as let us know about Becky Hammond and her future in San Antonio. Michael, take it away. Tell us everything about the Sunday Sports Grill. All right. Sunday Sports Grill runs from 11 to 1, obviously on Sundays on ESPN San Antonio. Uh, that's 1250 AM, 94.5 FM. It's all sports, pop culture, nostalgia, things that make us happy and make us smile. Uh, a lot of Spurs talk, a lot of Cowboys talk, but, uh, you know, we're really excited. We get very emotional, and, and, and I like the fact that we come at it from a fan perspective uh, as opposed to the insider perspective because it's different, you know, it, it, it's... Yeah. You know, we, we, it's just a different vibe. We have so much fun on that show, but it's 11 to 1 on Sundays. Make sure to follow Michael on Twitter at 210 Fantasy God right now. Hey, our playoff coverage and finals coverage as of, that's upcoming on the Locked On NBA Network is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs, 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. There you get everything. It's very similar. My timeline, my Twitter timeline is very similar to the Sunday Sports Bro. It's heavy spurs, but once in a while, I'll tweet out something and it'll make the old people, us, us 80s kids or late 70s kids, be like, I remember that. That I remember that episode. <laughs> I, put out, I put out the uh, intro recently, last week, of the uh, 80s G.I. Joe cartoon uh, intro. You know, the original one, not the ones that went to season two, season three, season one intro. I had a lot of react to that one. I'd be like, oh my God. God, it's been a long time I've seen that. Somebody, uh, I think it was John Dyer, he tweeted at me. He goes like, great. Now I got to go back and watch every single 80s intro to the cartoon series that I watched growing up. Thanks, Jeff. So uh, it's a really fun uh, Twitter timeline. Go check it out. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, man. I've never seen a G.I. Joe in my entire life. Never seen a Transformer cartoon in my life. You're killing me. Oh, my God. So you, you, you post all that stuff, and I'm like, uh, don't get what any of this means. On the next episode of Lockdown Spurs, we're not going to be talking Spurs. We'll be talking with Michael about catching him up on the 80s shows that he should have been watching as a kid. <laughs> but for Michael Jimenez, I am Jeff Garcia. We're going to put a lock on this episode of Lockdown Spurs. Spurs.